Hello and welcome to PG Weekend Watch, now kindly sponsored by BetMGM. So thank you so much for the new sponsorship. We're hugely excited about so many things that we're going to be bringing you in the next few weeks. And on this week's show, I'm, of course, joined by Dave Young and Andrew Mount. We're looking ahead to Ascot, Newmarket and Redcar as well. Lots of action to get through. So let's kick straight on with it. And we begin at Newmarket with the 0-105 Phillies handicap for the three odds and over, over 10 furlongs at 1.30, where the very unexposed whispering words makes her handicap debut. She heads the market at 7-4. to four. But Andrew, would you like to kick us off here, please? Uh, no, I can't be bothered. Um, it's, yeah, tr tricky opener this one. I did, I did look at the stats because you, you look at this race, there seems to be a lot of three-year-old winners, but when you look at the expected number of winners against how many older horses have run, there's no sort of st uh, strong statistical correlation. So I wouldn't get uh, too bogged down in the three-year-old um, angle. I mean, you look at the race um, and the betting four of the first five in the market are three-year-olds, so that's probably why the uh, the winner will be aged three. Whispering Woods could have the best of the draw. The stalls are far side. I know they moved them all over the shop at Newmarket. The last meeting, they, they mixed centre, far side and stand side. Uh, so stall one against that far side rail could be handy. And could Ryan Moore riding for Charlie Apple being good off him, which uh, mm -hmm. uh, is a rare occurrence. I've not looked at the stats to see how often he has done, but uh, it's certainly a positive booking. Uh, a winner in the July course, two runs back, only just chinned at Kempton last time out. I thought she had a, you know, an obvious chance. I didn't have a strong opinion, but with the draw, the jockey booking and a recent form, I'll just go whispering words. Whispering words then at 11 to 4 for Andrew. Dave, did you have any stronger convictions about this opener? Um, I, well, I was trying to just dig holes in whispering words, to be honest with you. We've got eight races to go through, but there's a couple of races we've got some decent price favourites in there, but there's loads of shorties in there. And this is one that I was a bit head scratchy with the horse to see why why she's like why she's so short in the market about 13 to 8 at the time of recording bumped bumped into one on debut like sumo sam so when people look at the racing post but see that as the the race of the run last year see sumo sam and be like oh behind a good horse but also was behind a now 66 rated horse a 76 rated horse and a 79 rated horse the official rating that she's got now of 88 clearly comes from what she's achieved this season but I've got to mention it. She beat Doom in a novice stakes race. You remember Doom just got beat a one to twenty-five in a match race, and then won the next time out, albeit a class five maiden. Um, and both those runs while well, that horse rate eighty-two. So I'm not convinced that. I oh, know it's like handicap on debut. I know there's lots of things that are eye catching in there, but I don't know whether it's as plotty and as by design as it may come across. I wonder whether she's just not as good as they think she is and now it's just a case of shoving this race and let's find out what we've got. So at the price that she is, I'm not so keen on her. I think Breeding suggests that like the mile or mile two would be good, but she's obviously stepping up two furlongs in there as well. So if she takes more from her dad's side than her mum's, I don't think the trip will be a problem. For all that you're going to expect some improvement, I think she definitely does need to improve. And as I said, there's loads of short price favourites today. So she is not the best of all of those. Red Danielle, whose second favourite, was narrowly beaten by Sweet Memories. So another horse, when you look at the racing post part, you go, oh, that's a nice horse. Rated 105 now. She runs off of 90, which looks okay. Um, the first run she ran against um, a horse that's now rated 91. So there's arguably a bit more substance to her official rating, but she doesn't look massively well in either. Gosden sent to here. Morning poem that's got first time cheap pieces. Kieran Schumacher rides. Didn't really build on her earlier handicap win. I'd say line through that one, as in line through this race. Like I couldn't have morning poem with anyone's money. But Queen Regent's quite interesting. Oshie Murphy, um, 
finished like a run of the last day that they did not want to do too much with her. So either she wasn't ready, she drifted from two to one to four to one. She was quite a big drifter on the exchanges as well and got boxed in a little bit in the last furlong. Oshin didn't ride her to finish as close as she could have done. She was a little outpaced as well. Um, I think this drop back, that was over one mile four, bumped into a horse that was like £21 higher than the, 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 the market one off that day. But I think this drop back to one mile two is probably ideal. Um, I think she's got a bit of a squeak. So uh, probably just want to give a mention to Queen Regent. The slight problem with it all is, again, it's all price dependent, isn't it? I wouldn't be confident in having like a serious bet in this, but Queen Regent would be the each way selection. Take a bit of a punt. Okay, Queen Regent, then take a bit of a punt. John and Thady Gosden, one of uh, a couple of runners in here then for that yard, but this one is ridden by Asheen Murphy. Now, I was really toying between Whispering Words and Morning Poem in here, so I was letting price dictate me more so than anything. And when I'm getting 10 to 1 about Morning Poem rather than the 11 to 4 about the favourite currently, I'd rather side with the bigger horse, um, bigger price horse then, considering I was struggling to split the pair of them in my mind. So, Morning Poem gets the call just for sole start this season. Yes, she was only 8 for 14, but it was a really good-looking renewal, I thought, of the listed John Musker Philly Stakes at Yarmouth. A race, of course, that hot favourite, Alice for disappointed again. But the winner is a really smart type anyway, Sapphire Seas. So on the back of a 30-month absence, I don't think Morning Poem was disgraced whatsoever in that. She remains £9 above her last winning mark, which came on her handicap debut, but she fairly dotted up in that. Backed it up in her subsequent handicap outing, second off of just a £1 lower mark than this. I still think this mark remains feasible for her to overcome. She should appreciate being back in a handicap and she can come forwards for her reappearance. First time cheap pieces, which will hopefully help her as well, you would have thought. So differing opinions in our opener as we move on to Ascot for the listed Roos Stakes. For the three-year-olds and over, over five furlongs at 150. Pretty competitive contest for these sprinters here, Dave. Led by Emirati Anna at the head of the market. But who wins it for you, please? Yeah, we're definitely all over the shop in the first. That is like a pretty wide open race. And I don't think anyone would have any confidence in there. This is a race that potentially you could have a bit more confidence in. But I wouldn't be so confident about the more obvious one, right? So Emirati Anna is now back at five furlong after those two defeats in listed races on good ground. Does come out on figure still, although Ascot hasn't seen like him, sorry, him running at his like his best. So there's a few negatives in there considering how short he is. And I wanted to look for an each way play anyway. We've got nine in here, so even if it's a non-runner, we're gonna get our first three places. And I found it quite easy to uh find the each way play in this race. Chipstead, sports first time cheap pieces here, does give some weight away. However, he's penultimate run over course and distance on similar grounds. Um was like, uh, yeah, so sorry, he's yeah, he penultimate run over course of distance in the ground when he, he he produced 106 as an RPR. I think he was fourth of 10. He'd run prior, he was fifth of eight when Nymphadora took the race, but he's three pounds better off this time round. The ground is better now, it's going to be good ground quicker. That race came on good and soft, which is going to suit him. The waffling bit there, right? It comes to that good ground or quicker for this horse, right? It is good all over. I think all the tracks are pretty much reporting good now, but it is dry forecast everywhere as far as I'm concerned. It's going to get a bit quicker. So Chipstead's got a career of six wins and off, off of 22 starts on the turf. Five of those six wins came on good ground or quicker. And if we just look at the runs on good ground or quicker, his strike rate goes to five from 15. 
He's also raced seven times on good to firm or quicker and only once finished outside the places and won three times. So he put his strike rate to three from seven when it's good to firm or quicker. So if it does really dry out, like he's got a better and better chance. He's a full brother to Oxted who would say exactly the same for his career. So the better ground would be better. Um, the first time cheat piece to go either way, right? Week weekend watch viewers will know that sometimes, well, often I'll see it as a negative. I don't really want horses wearing headgear. But considering I'm having to make a bit of a case for this one for a horse that's not necessarily been in the best form, cheap pieces can go either way, right? You trust the trainers to make the right decision. He did post an RPR of 111 back in May on Good to Firm, and that 106 I mentioned is penultimate start. So that puts him fairly in the mix on a going day, right? Emirati has had 108 and 112s, both over six furlongs, though. Corker, the second favourite, has got lots of 109s. And then Nymphadora, I had to mention Nymphadora again, <laughs> 107s and 111, but they were all with ease in the ground. So I think Chipstead's got a genuinely good chance. So Chipstead for me in the 150. Okay, 16 to 1 then about Chipstead in those first time cheat pieces. Andrew, as Dave says, we've got Nymphadora in here as well as Rom Cocktail. Surely, surely there's some sort of exactor in there for you. Yeah, as soon as I saw Nymphadora entered, I thought, oh, I've got to make a new cocktail here. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> Rum Cocktail's the obvious one. But yeah, Nymphadora, you've got to worry about the uh, the quicker ground um, this time around. Uh, they're calling it good, good to soft in places at the time of recording. I think the good to soft in places are on the round course. And uh, given that it's going to be up to 24 degrees on Saturday and there's no significant rain forecast between now and then, you can expect it's going to dry out. And um, although given how much water they've put on Ascot over the course of the year, I doubt it will get good to firm, but maybe good, good to firm in places. One thing worth mentioning about the Rouse Snakes is even, well, uh, even though it's a relatively small field, nine runners, it's still been um, in similar field sizes previously. It's been a big advantage to be drawn high. Uh, you look at it last year, I think um, the first two home were, um, or so the winner was certainly drawn high, still 10. We've had quite a few just perming the top two or three stalls. You would have got the uh, the forecast up. Now, the uh, the stalls are stand side. So, um, you know, that could be significant. So that would be a worry for Chipstead coming out of stall one and even Emiratiana. I mean, Emiratiana is fascinating in this grade at this trip. Uh, because, um, you know, he's been plying his trade generally over six furlongs. But you look at the last four times he's had a trip shy of six furlongs. He, he was second in the Breeders' Cup um, uh, sprint, turf sprint at uh, Keeneland. Yeah, before that, placed in Nunthorpe. Uh, um, again, ran well in another Breeders' Cup, um, you know, finishing fourth and placed in another Nunthorpe. So, uh, you know, probably unexposed at this trip in, in a way, despite being a seven-year-old. Um, but still two in the price of, um, I think, 15 to 8 with our sponsors at MGM would put me off. Designer, I'm, uh, I'm thinking she's probably better when uh, running against her own sex. She won twice in open company in her early, part, early parts of her career. Um, those were class four contests. When she's gone class three or higher, she's taken on the boys six times and locked all six times, often at shortage prices. So I was going to throw a funny one into the mix. Door seven of nine, Glamorous Breeze for um, Chris Mason. Now, uh, Glamorous Breeze's dam, Go Glamorous, was a half-sister to the winner of this race in 2017, 33 to one shot, just Glamorous, who ran in these colours, uh, trained by Ron Harris. Now, uh, she's up in grade, but she arrives here in, in great form. And I thought um, it's not impossible, even though she's stepping up from, you know, sort of class four, class three handicaps. She is on the up. Um, she clearly goes well at this time of year. And she could actually outrun her odds here. So I thought I'd take a chance, small each way, glamorous breeze in the hope that she can give her, her family another win in this race. 
Oh, the nice, nice family connection. And 33 to 1 about glamorous breeds from school seven for that five-year-old mare for Andrew. Good ways to play the race. Now we're back to Newmarket. It's sales race time in the form of the £150,000 Tassels October auction stakes for the two-year-olds over six pounds at 205. Loads of runners in here. Loads of informed two-year-olds heading the way is Hattrick Seeker Zulu Chief. So, Andrew, can he get another win here or where were you looking? Yeah, I think the key here is um, uh, how far is he going to win by? I mean, you look at you look at that race, that York Nursery, he broke the clock. Um, he won by over four lengths. It's incredibly impressive. Um, 11, if you take the horses who've run since next time out, they're six from 11. Uh, profit of £16.46 to a £1 level stake. Uh, Zulu Chief was due to run at Doncaster, didn't because of the soft ground. Uh, I mean, he's an absolute, an absolute star. I mean, uh, he's drawn 14 of 20-odd down the middle of the track, but you assume, assume the plan is just going to be blast and go. And uh, I think, I mean, you look at racing post ratings and speed figures, uh, he's going to be clear of this lot, I thought. And I, you know, I think if, you go, if you're going to back him, you probably want to be looking to back him to win by two lengths or more or something like that. Okay, so so play the distances rather than just the even money straight win. Play the distances for Zulu Chief. Very confident is Andrew about this one, Dave. Where were you looking? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to say that Zulu Chief isn't the most likely winner of the race. But again, it's an even money favourite, right? And as much as those like value is in the eye of the beholder, I think there's some better ones in and around that price this weekend. And as much as they like this horse is clear on ratings, being a snob, it is like an auction stakes race. We're not talking about like a, a like a substantial group one or grade one race where you know that the, the form really does stack up. So Zulu Chief definitely deserves to be favourite. Clearly the one to be like siding with if you're wanting to play towards the front of the market. Would Hay Wonder the second favourite who's getting five pounds from Zulu Chief, but is ten pounds lower in the ratings. Those two are like fairly close to each other, and both of those like it when the ground is quick. I think they're like opposite sort of sides of the track as well, slightly different. Would Hay Wonder's a horse that comes from out the back normally, whereas Zulu Chief is Andrew Tuckton's like blast out make all type scenario. So I wonder if Zulu Chief does get hassled a little bit up front, whether that's going to play into the strengths of horses a little bit further back. But then Wood Hay Wonders a nine to two second favourite. You back in Muggy each way, you'd be better just about the favourite. So let's swerve that one. I went reaching a little bit because of the type of race that this is, but I'm pretty sure I, I thought I could find something at a price that's worth making a case for. I think I can. Commander Crouch, 33 to one, right? It is a 22 runner race. And just to go back to the fact that it's a stakes race, it's not a handicap. But all the bookmakers will be playing four places. I think they are at the time of recording bar one, but standard terms are one, two, three. So your placements, all that sort of stuff. So it is a big field handicap. Oh, sorry, it's a big field, but it's not a handicap. I think Commander Crouch has got a good chance, right? So the case that I can make for him, going back to Woodhay Wonder, that I'm saying has got a reasonable chance for a second favourite. He won back here in August on ground described as good to firm, but it was wet that day. If you go back and watch the replay of it, the camera's covered in like wet raindrops and you can tell that the ground i don't know it wouldn't have been worth it. i don't know if it would have got into there but it was it was it was a I wet think the cameraman spilled his drink that's <laughs> probably what it was He'd shaken up his sprite and he opened it and then it sprayed on the camera well i think as well the cameraman probably back commander crouch because as they came out the stalls he was in trap three trap two cut right across commander crouch right and this was I think it was over six furlongs, maybe it was a shortest trip, but the, the the he got he got taken like a few lengths back in quite a big field race. 
And Commander Crouch, from ever then, was always on the back foot, but he was 100 to 1 this day. Stayed on to be pretty much a never near a fifth in the conditions. Um, was getting was giving £5 away to Woodhay Wonders. Only got to give away three this time, I think. But it was a really good run from Commander Crouch. And I don't think there's much between those two horses, personally. But the market's obviously saying one to 33 to one poke. After this race as well, Commander Crouch, the trainer stepped him up for seven furlongs, came second the next time out. Then he won the time after that and then was fourth for fifth the last day. But I think this horse is a six furlong horse. I think them dropping him back. Maybe it's not 100% by design, but Shane Kelly was under that day. Uh, sorry, was on top that day. Shane Kelly's back on top again here. So I think Commander Crouch is very, very interesting. Um, he's also drawn, I mean, he's drawn quite high, but drawn the same side as where Zulu Chi's going to be, right? So if you've got an even money favourite there, which is the one to aim at, like we saw with like Ernesto in the arc, runs behind Ace back the favourite and just thinks, if I follow this horse, then this is going to be the best one in the race. So I think Commander Crouch at 33s is definitely worth a swing. And we should also say that Anessa did run a mighty race for you as well <laughs> for last week's show too. So that was a good, nice little link by you, Dave, completely. Uh, Commander Crouch, though, 33 to 1. And as you say, that our new sponsors, Bet MGM, are also paying the first four each way in this race. So not a bad way to play it at all. Right, Cumberland Lodge time now. Uh, every time I see this race, I just want to call it a sausage race. <laughs> but that might uh, denote uh, <laughs> plenty of other um yeah connotations then for this race so i'm sure the fun to be made up with that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that's exactly what they wanted <laughs> from this um but we do have a horse that's been a bit of a sausage in his time um alazi though who's currently heading the way as a favorite but now that he is a gelded six-year-old he seems to have straightened that out a little bit more so 225 ascot group three cumberland lodge over a mile four dave who wins this I mean, you've thrown me now. It just makes me feel like we should get a petition to get it moved to Bangor as well, just to get it fully in there. Very good. good. <laughs> but this is, this is an easy one. Viewers out there will be happy to know that the waffling will be quite short on this one. Al Arzi should take this. Gets two pounds from Isra. Course and distance winner. Last three runs have all been RPRs in excess of 110. Touching on that, though, Isra's RPRs are in and around the same. Obviously, he gets a couple, but course and distance winner, Al Arzi, I think he's well-deserved favourite. The only slight worry with him is when he won at Haydock, it was really, really impressive win, only won by a short margin, but it kills me. My heart goes in my mouth when you, you're back in Alazi at shortish prices and he's having to be weighted with. The time that he ran at Haydock, he was available a bit bigger, but he's about 13 to 8 at the moment, right? So I think his price will probably contract a little bit, but it's not my style to go wading on a horse like this that tactically is going to be weighted with. So he's a short enough price. I think he's a fair price. I think he'll win the race, but I won't be going steaming in. But yeah, al -Azi in the sausage race. Alazi to win the sausage. <laughs> I am uh, sorry, Andrew, to interrupt because I, I'm happy to back him at that price. To be honest with you, I think that's it. Not to give anything away for the end of a show, but I think we're talking kind of nap material here, really. Um, as I say, I think this is a fair price. But you know, it's kind of a little voice in the back of my mind. I think we've all got it about this horse, where we've just got that bit of doubt ever so slightly still about him, given his former quirks and the times that we remember him disappointing us as well. But he has has just come to life this season in his latest 
three start. So I'm happy to see that he's now putting those runs together properly as well, winning at Newbury despite lots of market weakness in that listed race, then backing it up at Haydock and up in grade into a group three. And he was more value for the winning margin than it even suggested there. And again, he ran a solid race at Leopardstown last time out, not able to run down Adelaide River, who made all in that group three. And he still made up a lot of ground. He was carrying a three pound penalty as well to be beaten just half a length. So that was, again, just really likable. I think I can trust him now. I think I can trust him now, especially with his ability against these in this group three. So I think I'm just backing him to run his race, really. So Alazi, I'm happy to back him at that price. Andrew, are you along the Alazi bandwagon or where were you thinking? Well, I'm worried he'll meet trouble in running and become a sausage sandwich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of interesting ones in here. Royal Ascot winner from last year, Claymore, who, who usually goes well fresh, but disappointed on his comeback. Um, perhaps there was an issue that day, 135-day break subsequently would suggest there was. Uh, the 14 the um, uh, Golston second string, was well backed ahead of that uh, run against um, Bay Bridge at Kempton. Or I said well backed, sort of, certainly, I think, sort of like 20s into 10 or something like that. This is the ex-Chilean horse. And uh, there were some quite um, positive vibes coming out of Newmarket about his chance. He bombed out, finished last, and he rocks up again relatively quickly in first-time cheek pieces. And, of course, Al Quirin, this is the one that I mentioned, remember? At, Very well uh, done for that Jessica, one, by the way. Saying that, you know, he's, he's obviously been geared up for an autumn campaign because of the ground and um, he saw off blue stocking by a neck in that Chester race. And, of course, last year he ran twice at Longchamp, uh, winning uh, at the ARC meeting and then finishing um, fifth in the uh, Royal Opera um, later on in the month. So I'm quite surprised that he hasn't gone to France, that he's come here instead. Now, the drying ground is obviously a concern because he's certainly, although he's got form on good to firm, certainly seems happier with a bit of cut in the ground. Uh, and then you keep coming, you, you try and pick holes in LRC. It's hard to really on his last few runs, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I was really impressed with that second place at uh, Leopardstown because um, Irish Champions Meeting Day at uh, Leopardstown, he had to be on the front end, otherwise he didn't have a prayer pretty much. I think the big field handicap the last race um, was won by a horse who came from off the pace. Um, but that was probably winning against the bias. And uh, we saw it in the Irish champion stakes itself if you weren't on the front end. And what was so annoying about that meeting was it blindingly obvious to everybody after like, you know, two or three races. It was blindingly obvious to the Irish jockeys. But, uh, you know, the Kevin Stotts, the Holly Doors and the Jim Crowleys of the world um, weren't quite as clued up. And, uh, you know, to go down by half a length um, to the always prominent Adelaide River was good effort, I thought. So, yeah, I'll go LRC here. But... Just interested to see what Al Kareem can do as well. I know you did zip up Al Kareem last time out as well against Blue Stocking, and uh, and that managed to come good. So very well done to you on that one. But uh, yeah, interesting. Oh, thank you for compliments, but thank you, I'll take them. Oh, you are more <laughs> than welcome. Um, talking of sausage sandwiches, what condiments do you have on them, or do you have any at all, Andrew? What do you have on your sausage sandwich? Oh, if, if we're playing the sausage sandwich game, um, which we are, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's red or brown, then I'll sauce. I'll go for uh, red sauce on mine. Um, although. At the moment, I think I'd go no sauce, which is uh, controversial, I know. Just dry, a dry bread. Yeah. Well, well, if you've got if you've got butter as well, and, and the sausages have got a greasy tinge to them, yeah, if you fried them as opposed to uh, grilled them, then uh, you know, there's enough there's enough juice there to keep me happy. Dave, what do you go for? I, ju I just wonder what I've got myself into. What has this show become? We've managed to get Andrew <laughs> to confess that he takes his sausage bareback. I have it as red sauce. Has to be ketchup. 
Oh God. <laughs> thanks, Dave. Thanks for, for that absolute hospital pass back to me as I try and recover myself. Um I'm gonna agree with Andrew though for what it's worth. No condiments, not ugh, condiments I don't like at all, just butter, plain, bareback sausage, sandwich, boom. Happy days. Right, Red Car, Red Car. Welcome to our new sponsors, by the way, Bet MGM. I'm sure they're delighted that they've joined yeah. joined us for it, this it's show. Um, stuff, guys. <laughs> feel very, uh, very welcome to the party. Right, we take a trip we to Red Car. We're looking for a new sponsor for next week. So if there's any sausage manufacturers out there that want to uh, get involved, then fair. We'd happily take that. Uh, right, we, we must go to Red Car now for the two-year-old trophy. Well, funnily enough, two-year-olds are over six furlongs at 245. Dragon Leader is your strong favourite at 46. Andrew, what is the play in this one, please? Yeah, first thing to notice is it's a very small field for the uh, two-year-old trophy. Uh, I didn't put uh, a list of Twitter like the last 20-odd runnings, and uh, gen it's generally sort of 20-odd 20, 20 runners, and you get that conundrum about, oh, you know, we know where you want to be drawn at red car, you want to be drawn on low on the far side of the tyre tracks of the you know, the cars that follow the action and um, compress the ground, but then the stand side hardly been raced on all seasons, so maybe it'd be quick. Well, we don't have to worry now, do we, because we've got... Uh, Got 11 runners. I mean, Dragon Leader, the obvious favourite, hasn't come out particularly well on the draw from Saw 10, but I think he's just going to outplast them anyway. I mean, he, he won his first three. Um, the third of those wins an impressive victory at York in a sales race by only four lengths. And then uh, next time out, he's gone to Donny um, for the um, um, the, the Weatherbees um, sales race, won by room service from store one. And he's raced down the centre of the track. He wanted to be far side, ideally, and he, he's won his group. So he's, you know, he's effectively four from four. If it wasn't for a, um, a, a shonky draw, you know, maybe you'd still got beaten had he been drawn very low, like the winner was that day. But it was still a great effort. That was his first time on soft ground as well, and uh, his breeding suggested it wouldn't have been ideal. He was, I know, he's gone off seven to four in the end, but there was a bit of weakness, um, I think, when the uh, when the ground did ease from his anti-post price. Uh, I think he's going to take all the beating here. Uh, I did look at those drawn low, trying to make a case for some of the big price ones, um, but it wasn't easy. He'll probably get chased home by the store one runner, uh, Flacianello, the uh, the Fahey runner, who's probably second favourite, or thereabouts, 13 to 2, or third favourite. So that's the one, I think, for your um, snide each way uh, multiples on Saturday, if there's any other similar races. But I think it's um, dragon leaders to lose. In terms of the win bet, then Dragon Leaders race to lose as the uh, four to six favourite at the head of the market. Dave, what were your opinions? Yeah, so as touched on it right at the beginning, there's loads of shorties, and I know we're all going to get excited about different. Well, not necessarily different ones, but we're all going to get excited at some point. We've all got our different ways to go, but Dragon Leaders, I cannot possibly see how this horse gets beat. Four to six for me still looks like a fairly juicy price. He posted an RPR of a hundred of a hundred, just two starts back. The only horse to have equaled or better, that was Killian. He posted 101, that, but that was back in July at Sandown. And Dragon Leader gets 13 pounds from that rival and weight from pretty much the entire field. Goes on all ground, although the nicer ground will see him to his absolute best effect. The each way one that uh, Andrew's mentioned, he pronounces it better than I do, is on an upward curve. So that is that is that, that is exactly the right advice to say in there. But I would say that Dragon Leader at four to six probably isn't a bad price. So Dragon Leader will just win, but if you're not that way inclined, then Andrew's told us the right each way bet. 
Yeah, so in agreement there about the each way and the most likely winner as well at Redcar. As we move back to Ascot now for the Group 3 Bengoff Stakes for the three-year-olds and over, over six furlongs, as I say, at three o'clock. A pretty open event. Comanche Falls heads the way. I mean, he's just had a great season, hasn't he? But Dave, what's the play for you in here? Yeah, it's a, like a real, it's a, like it's a nice race to get stuck in to try and pick apart. But I do feel like it's, you pick it apart and then you break it up again. And then you pick it apart and then you break it up again. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how I get to the same answer every single time. He's the deserved favourite, right? He's got solid form on this ground over this trip and in the class, but has got a giveaway weight to all but two in here. Third in the race last year, he's posted RPRs in excess of 110 and all but one run this season following his season of reappearance so clearly deserved to be where he is and f gets three pounds and i think his third to bradson at royal ascot is as good a form as any this season highfield princess was like he was within three quarters of a length of of that runner he has been kept busy since posting rprs in excess of 100 every single run so i like to talk about the rprs don't i including 116 last time out as well so that form although if you go back to royal ascot meeting for it he's in just as good a form now deserving a position in the market this would be his biggest achievement to date though if able to actually land this so as much as i talk about him being fairly solid and about the right sort of price he gets three pounds from comanche falls but i think he would need those three pounds so i can't really split too much between those apart from the betting that's in there um Juan Lapins, i just wanted to mention him because it's a lovely name like Barishnikov, I'm just going to mention him every other week as well. <laughs> Ran well last time behind Comanche Falls, to be fair. He's £3 worse off, but I think he's probably a reasonable price. So, given a mention of the favourite, the second favourite, and then Wilder Bins, there's a case to, to make right for Comanche Falls and Anaf. I think, I think Comanche Falls is about 3 to 1 the price of recording, Anaf's about 4 to 1. It is a fifth of the odds for only first three. It's really hard to pin me down for a selection, so I'll probably have to swerve on this one. There's like a semi-case I was starting to think that you could back either of those two each way, because I don't see Comanche Falls and Anaf out the frame. So then that makes me lacklustre to think that Juan Lepins is going to fill the frame in third place. There's only one more spot up for grabs. So I think one of those three will win it, but I'm not really helping anyone there, so I'm not going to throw in a selection. There's your potential tri-cast, though, all the same between those three. But uh, Comanche Falls and Anaf and Dave were struggling to split the pair of those two, Andrew. So how were you seeing this race? Yeah, Comanche Falls ran a huge race in this contest 12 months ago, finishing third um, when racing close to the front end when you had to be from off the post. Uh, the winner, Rohan, runner-up, Summerhand, fourth, fifth, uh, and the sixth all came from midfield or further back. Um, the next prominent racer was Al Sue Hale, who was um, seventh, beating four and a half lengths. Um, Godolphin's front runner, who then won his next two in Maidan, including a Group Two contest. Comanche Falls arrives here in fantastic form. You know his yard also has uh, won this with Dakota Gold in 2020. And um, and so the only the only slight uh, negative is again a smallish field, ten runners, but he's in store one. And um, yeah, the, the draw probably didn't help him when he was um, um, beaten by Moss Tucker in that race with uh, Go Atletico in second uh, at the Curro when, uh, um, sorry, it was the it was the pace bias that beat him that day. So yeah, it's just a case of, you know, um, if they sort of go steady on the rail and he's out wide and under a hold up ride, um, yeah, that could be a slight concern. Dark Trooper is the obvious uh, one as well. He's very progressive. Um, nice draw in store nine. But I'll go for Comanche Falls. I tipped in a racing football outlook on Monday. And um, yeah, that run in this race last year is a big pointer to his chance. 
Manchi Falls then as we move on to the feature race of the day the group one sun chariot for the three rods and over over mile at 315 at Newmarket in spiral is the even money favorite after bouncing back to form last time out but Andrew are we trusting her at that price to do the same again here no because not don't be silly don't be daft <laughs> um yeah it's, it's a tricky one isn't it she's super talented but we know that she can miss the break by uh, a long way and give it, leave herself with a mountain to climb. And, uh, you know, will that happen again? Or will she do what she did, um, you know, this race, um, sorry, this uh, uh, course a couple of years ago when she beat Prosperous Voyages at Odds On? But, yeah, you kind of, she's prone to running too many stinkers for me to want to back her, um, you know, this sort of price um on a track that it's very hard to come from off the pace sometimes so uh, i've not looked at the full sort of pace map of the race and i don't know whether there's going to be a headwind or a tailwind but uh yeah you just see a price like that about inspiral and you suddenly get uh, get the cold sweats and think uh, i don't want to uh, uh, be getting involved in any of that nonsense thanks very much leave me out <laughs> leave you out then even money about inspiro yeah i think dave she's going to completely divide opinion 50 50 well her price according to that as well then um whether or not you think that that's a fair price that she's just got the most ability in this and if she runs the race then she'll be winning or whether or not you are willing to trust her at that price which side did you fall on million dollar question i suppose isn't it the thing is this is where bookmakers have a job to do and in this instance they're making it very hard for people to want to back her at the price that she is so they might be doing themselves a favor by keeping punters away she's really the price that she is because we've got the french runner in there that's holding up a bit of the market in behind mm -hmm. but she probably given there's a four, like a four to one second favorite and then it's seven to one after she you could argue she should be a little bit bigger but she's not and um, it seems like she might even go a bit shorter in the betting so yeah she wouldn't be one that i'd be wanting to bet we've talked again millions of times about there's some shorties this weekend when you've got an even money poke earlier on and then you've got an even money poke like this or she might go off the four to six like a dragon leader they can all be the same price but they might not all have the same sort of chances she is a bit in and out as well isn't she but this season she's won like one race from her three if you look at the price she was i think she was 11 to four five to one and then 79 to 10 when she was in front something like that she she performed as expected essentially so she's won as many as you would you would have thought as the market the price in there Andrew did touch on like her peak effort was over course and distances in her two-year-old career so does obviously like it here. so there's all those factors that make you think I can see why people think she's a good thing but yeah I don't want to go anywhere near her one I do want to go near though is meditate I think I think she's 100% gonna win something of like substance this season best form comes on quicker ground which is like the favorite but we know it's going to be relatively quick there has been running in good company all season i do wonder whether she just wants like seven and a quarter furlongs or seven and a half like she might just not have a trip to really show her best at, or it could just be that she lacked that tiny little bit of class but she will blink as the last day i thought she ran really really well behind zahira um gets three pounds from in here from all but one in the race um ran well around this time last year as well um, do you think the quicker ground's going to help? Obviously, Ryan Moore's on board. Aiden O'Brien, I don't think, is just sending her over for the sake of it. So, at the price that she is, which is about seven to one at the time of recording, you will get your three places up for grabs if the eight runners stick. But again, bookmakers might still offer that if they don't. I think Meditate is the probably one of the best each way bets of the day because she's definitely in the first three. And if Innsbruck does decide to not put it all together or mess out the stalls, then Meditate probably could win this too. I don't like the French horse at all. So Meditate for me in the Sun Chariot Stakes. 
meditate who doesn't have to see to hear his backside which you'll be so grateful for for one of the very few times this season she's not gonna have to run into that one in the group one sun chariot now our final scheduled race is the challenge cup a heritage handicap for three-year-olds and over over seven furlongs at 335 at ascot six to one joint favorite at the head of the market proper betting heat this dave where did your pin land I, this was the race that I didn't really get enough time to look at. I spent a good half an hour on it as well. And I, I genuinely, I cannot make a strong enough case for anything. So I'm going to have to sit this one out, I'm afraid. Sorry, viewers, if you're still sticking around. But Andrew, this means you've got a longer train of thought. So you can give us a little line on every single runner, possibly. <laughs> yeah, of course. How long you got? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing to talk about, obviously, is the draw. Stalls are stand side, um, 18 runners. So we're going to stretch quite a way across the, uh, the track. But uh, Quinault, the likely pace angle, is drawn in store one. Um, you know, wonderful horse that he is. Uh, if the earlier races suggest there is a stand side bias, then uh, he could be a bit uh, exposed down uh, no man's land down the middle of the track. And um, he beat Popmaster by a neck over course and distance last time, making all. Um, Popmaster raced in second place throughout, and Hickory's third was always prominent as well. I mean, most people were all over the fourth star of Orion, who did best of those to come from midfield or further back when he ran uh, the other day at Newmarket. But uh, he was pretty disappointing, finishing um, just fourth. Now, there are gonna, there's going to be more pace pressure as well, I think, um, without having done the... Um, Sort of pace map in detail, but just looking through some of the regulars there, you know, like your Lethal Levi's and you know, one or two others, um, Quinault might not get his own way. So, I mean, my angle into the race really, I'm not going to back fresh each way because people keep backing fresh each way in these big field handicaps and he keeps uh, getting beat or finishing just outside the places or, oh, he was unlucky again. You're like, yeah, well, how, how long are you going to, how many more chances are you going to give him at what is generally a skinny price for a competitive race of this nature? Um, so, I mean, Baradar as well, and the, his Royal Ascot uh, exploits, um, you know, has got a good chance. We didn't, uh, so not Royal Ascot, but his um, um, international stakes win over course and distance. He's followed up at um, Doncaster uh, on much softer going. Uh, he won't have a problem with conditions. He's solid enough, I suppose, from still 15. Um, but again, it's not one that I was... I really want to get involved in until I've sort of done the pace map in detail, seen what the wind's doing and whether there is a strong bias towards uh, the stand side in those earlier races. Bless him, we're popular each way as well. He wasn't that far behind Quinault last time when the race wasn't run to suit. He's coming out of stall three, so he'll get a toe into the race under Haley Turner. Um, uh, and Ropey Guest, um, uh, so Gigi... Um, uh, listener, viewer, uh, Stephen Lynn had a good theory about this one uh, before that win at York, saying he's got a bit of an OXO pattern to his name this season. It's sort of good run followed by bad run, good run, etc. And, um, you know, he was um, finished 17th, um, then came second at uh, Newmarket uh, in the uh, in the Bunbury Cup. The next time he finished 15th, then bounced back to win at 40 to 1 at York. And last time he came here to Ascot, ran 11th behind Quinault. Um, so is it possible that he'll bounce back if that uh, Oxo theory is right about Ropey Guest? So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, largely clueless, but then you knew that. Um, so, yeah, watch, watch my column because there might be a bet, um, you know, um, in there. But at the moment, I'm very much like Dave. I haven't got a flipping clue. 
<laughs> to be fair, if anyone said they've got an absolute definite clue about this race, I'd say they're lying <laughs> at this stage. But yeah, it's interesting, as you say, Andrew, with the stools towards the sand side, exactly what bias, if there is going to be any, that we're going to be expecting here when you've got the pace angle of Quinault, the wonderful Quinault in stool one. For what it's worth, I thought that Biggles might just be the horse that represents that bit of value. Proper seven furlong specialists. I can forgive his recent outings. Yes, he's on a career high mark, but as judged on his new market win in his Ascot second from earlier on in the season. I still think this mark of 105 looks pretty feasible for him. And last time out, I just think that that race came far too soon for him at Newbury in listed company on just a six-day turnaround. So hopefully the 15 days might just have freshened him up. I think the ground might be a bit quick for him, but I'm taking a bit of a chance then at a fair enough price. Right, Andrew, anything from anywhere else, please? Uh, yeah, just uh, the, the last race at Ascot, the five furlong handicap at 4.45, um, call me Ginger, who uh, was a course and distance winner, three runs back on good to firm ground, when I thought he did really well to come from off the pace, because the second, the third and fourth were on the front end throughout. I thought he'd run a big race in the Portland, but um, it was a funny old race. One, the ground went against him, it was too soft, and two... Uh, he was drawn very low when uh, there was a strip down the middle where the action unfolded. You, you look at that, the, you know, the first three were drawn 12, 13, 8, 8. If you were very high or very low, he didn't have much of a chance in that. He's then gone to uh, air in the Silver Cup behind Dave's confident selection, wob, wob, wob. Uh, well, uh, well done, Dave. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and ran down the field. But again, it was too soft for him. So um, although he's got soft ground for him in his, in his form figures, it tends to be a... A, a while ago in a lower grade um so uh, back on a fast surface back on a track he likes where his patient style is so effective hopefully a strong pace call me ginger i think can bounce back for jim goldie and jim goldie's had just a wonderful season hasn't he and call me ginger likewise even as a seven-year-old right dave to you please for your nap of the weekend okay this i'm gonna get this one over and done with quite quickly like the race itself the 150 the five furlong chipstead is the nap chipstead will win i mean it's a bit of an each way nap but it'll, it'll win anyway okay chipstead therefore uh in the 150 as i say earlier on then on the card andrew your nap please uh, i'm gonna go zulu chief whoosh win by two and a half lengths on the bronze. zulu chief to daughter to dot up then and to continue that winning sequence and i'll go alazi surprise surprise in the 225 at ascot in the sausage race right that is everything from us on this week's show a big thanks to dave and to andrew for all of their hard work as per usual a big thank you to our new sponsors bet mgm we'll be back at the same time next week to preview more weekend action